Hey, it's the podcast at moresportsnow.com. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio. And joining me, my partners, Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey on the line. Of course, we're practicing our social distancing here. So I'm alone in the studio again, guys, but happy to have you. More Seton Hall news as they sign transfer point guard Bryce Aiken from Harvard. The draft is coming up next week. We'll talk about the, the Giants and the Jets and their positions. Uh, and the XFL is bankrupt again. We'll talk about the problems with the uh, league. And that's all happening right now. And hey, we haven't done that in a while, guys. We haven't done the whole right now thing. So it's uh, kind of yeah, nice, like nice to bring uh, bring that back. And uh, hey, Bryce Aiken, uh, transfer from Harvard, Jersey kid from Randolph. He did uh, have some interest in Seton Hall out of the jump. Good friends with Miles Powell. He returns home to join the Pirates. And uh, hey, it's uh, with Miles Powell moving on, it's just what Seton Hall needed, huh, Matt? Oh, it was definitely a shot in the arm. Uh, he's a terrific player as long as he stays healthy, and that's been an issue the last couple of years. He didn't play that much this year, but as long as he maintains his health, he comes in, he's an established player. He's a scorer. Uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, his maturity. So it's, it's a plus plus from Seton Hall standpoint. And Johnny, you Absolutely. know, you know, Michigan and Maryland wanted him. So there's some big, uh, big programs want him certainly in the big 10. So uh, it's, uh, it's Seton Hall that got him, but that that's a big, uh, big get for the pirates, huh? No doubt. And Matt, you hit the nail on the head with him. It's just, can he stay healthy when he's on the floor? I mean, you look at the numbers have been really good this year. He was averaging 17 points a game. Unfortunately, he only played seven games His uh, and earlier. He played 18 games one year, 14 games another, only his freshman year did he really log a full season, 26 games. But the kid can find a way he gets to the basket off the bounce as a six footer. He's a true point guard, but he can fill it up. He gets to the basket. He scores from three-point range, and he's a terrific free-throw shooter. He will be, as you mentioned, a nice shot in the arm because um, with Miles Powell gone and his productivity gone, they're going to need to find other ways to uh, ring the bell, as I like to say. And that's a nice start, a kid from the Patrick School um, and and coming home. And Interesting, he took his official visit the same weekend – that Miles Powell did back in the day, and now uh, he's in in a way going to replace some of uh, of the offense that he's taken with him to the NBA. And you know, he's a point guard; he can bring the ball up, he can shoot, and uh, apparently he's uh, he's a three point uh, three point shooter as well. So uh, you know, guy is going to stretch the floor. He's not big, six foot, so you know, very much uh, similar, Matt, to to Miles Powell's game. Maybe a little more on the um a ball handling end though with, uh, with Aiken. Yeah, that, that appears to be the case. And uh, it's, it's great. I mean, this is the thing that this uh, transfer portal and the ability of players to get immediate eligibility, he couldn't play that extra year in the Ivies. They don't allow it. So he was looking to continue to play. And, uh, you know, here he is a shot in the big East. I mean, you've seen it a lot of players leave, smaller leagues and, and mm-hmm. wind up going to bigger leagues with a bigger opportunity uh, to have uh, their name in the paper. That's an old school. <laughs> that's an old school phrase. There are no papers anymore, relatively. <laughs> but, you know what paper. I mean? Uh, they get the media spotlight. I mean, you know, Seton Hall has the kid that will play this year who came from Canisius. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, 
Jackson McKnight came from Sacred Heart. It, it's not an unusual route anymore, and uh, it, it seems like they've hit a home run with this kid. And again, you know, there's you some, know, there's, there's some good players that wanted him, uh, John, and and he put up, you know, he put up 30 points against Maryland last season. So he's played well against good competition. So he's probably uh, he's probably going to fit right in with the Big East. Absolutely, it was. Not, I'm not going to say it was a stunner that he chose Harvard out of high school. But, you know, he got himself a hell of an education, right? He certainly did. He played, you know, Tommy Amaker and they have a they have a very good program there. But he could have played at Seton Hall. He could have gone to, you know, any of these big, you know, conference schools and and fit in right away. It was a bit of an upset that he chose to go there. But um, Matt really hit the nail on the head here. This whole transfer portal is Mm -hmm. rife with with players. I mean, each and every year. That thing loads up and guys get out of the way. They want to move from one school to another. And coaches now that that are missing out on fall recruits and some will wait now until the spring, until the season's over, and this portal fires up. And once the season's over, guys are getting out of there. I guess it's sort of their way of, you know, coaches have been doing this for many, many years now. They just sort of leave and uh, and the players are left holding the bag. Now the kids are going. It's making it harder on coaches in some respect to hold on to their rosters. But then uh, on the, on the flip side, it makes it somewhat easier because there's more people for them to, uh, to go through. I mean, Wichita state, for example, lost seven players since their season ended. I know the university of Rhode Island, Matt, where your son is, they've lost player after player after player. I think six or seven guys have left there. They brought three or four in, but it's like a turnstile with, with guys that are coming and going and um, if you can get your hands on one or two really good ones, then then it makes up for misses that some schools have in the fall recruiting situation. And it goes against what what most people believe, which is that the player goes for the school, right? No, the player doesn't go to the school. The mm-hmm. player, right. for the most part, goes with the coach. And so yeah. what happened at URI is the coach left. And so when Hurley goes to Connecticut, that's not the guy I chose to play for. So I'm going to leave and try to find another opportunity. I think people are just looking for opportunities. I mean, if you go back to uh, Aiken, you know, why didn't he choose Seton Hall initially? Well, Seton Hall was in on Miles Powell. Like, all right, am I going to play? I mean, I'm not dismissing the education side. I mean, Harvard's a terrific education. And Tommy Amaker had a great recruiting year that year. And, you know, they've had a couple of really good years, but, he went somewhere else. Now he gets a chance to be the star. I mean, it's all about the person, right? I mean, it's all about what what they want. So, yeah, yeah we're not surprised that we see it. That's for sure. I'm 50-50 yeah. with it. it. It gives and it takes away, right? I mean, the whole thing with uh, Omarui, uh, Eugene Omarui, that is, going on, moving on to Oregon. And that was a tough, that was a tough one. Now, you know, the Rutgers ended up having a really nice season. But when you got someone that's, that's going to be your starter – and the lifeblood or seen as the lifeblood of your team moving on, it, it's, it's really difficult. Whereas someone like looking for another opportunity, as you alluded to, Matt, it was just really didn't get much of a chance where they were or, you know, but it, like I said, it gives and takes, it takes because a quasi Yaboa leaving Stony Brook, I'm sure Stony Brook wanted them, <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah. have, they have fans, yeah. they want to win. So they don't want to lose a guy like that. So, like I said, it gives and it takes away and, and that's just, that's college basketball now, right? Well, you mentioned Rutgers, Steve, and you mentioned Yaboa. He came in and he was, a, he was one that worked out. 
so far, Peter Kiss, remember, he came in two years ago. They thought yeah. he was going to be a star, and it hasn't really worked out for him. I read a good article. Jeff Goodman had it where, you know, the grass isn't always greener. Some of these guys that play at the smaller schools, you know, they put up big numbers in the smaller conferences, 16, 17, 18 points a game, um, and the smaller uh, venues. And then all the big guys come sniffing around when they hit the portal and then they go and play in the bigger conferences. And oftentimes it just doesn't translate to a higher brand of basketball. And that's why some of the guys going from the smaller schools to the bigger ones now, um, maybe don't pan out as much. So it, it all depends on the player and the situation. And, and, and as Matt said, the opportunity, mm-hmm. the minutes to see if you can get out there to show what you can do. Yeah. And in Peter Kiss's case, he did get uh, his first year, uh, well, he sat out his first year, and then uh, the previous season, he he did get some uh, some minutes, but then they just were so deep, and uh, and Peichel had so many minutes to give out, and he just got buried on the bench there. So right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the grass is not always greener. You're you're right, John. Uh, you know, back back to Seton Hall, Matt. I mean, you know, Sandro Mamu Kalashvili stays stays put. You know, you got a nice player in Jared Roden there. Yeah, you, you add uh, Bryce Aiken and. Uh, and, uh, you know, Willard's got himself a, 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 a nice team next year, frankly. Yeah, it won't be a top 25 team uh, in all likelihood, but it'll be a very competitive team and should make the NCAAs, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're, ahead, I know Jeff. that getting back to the portal, they were in on a couple of guards. Uh, Luther Muhammad, who's from uh, Hudson Catholic, was someone, a top 100 guy who initially played uh, two seasons at Ohio State. He was in the portal. And Seton Hall made the final list for him. He he picked uh, Bobby Hurley in Arizona State. I think it was last night or the night before. Also, they were in on a guard from Wichita State, Jamarius Burton, who um, I think they made the final three for him, and he picked Texas Tech. So they are still looking for players. And keep an eye on a player from the 2021 class who is thinking about reclassifying. He's also a Patrick School guy, Adama Sonogo, a six foot nine. 250 pound center who, you know, had his run-ins with Cliff Omarui over the years in high school. He's right. again, uh, more of a defensive presence, a shot blocker. Uh, his offensive game is, is coming down the line, but he is a guy to keep an eye on with one of the final spots that Seton Hall has open. I know they're pushing to see if they can squeeze him into this class. So, um, keep your eyes uh, out for that news should be coming out maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's something that all Seton Hall fans are keeping an eye on. And the only thing that it, it doesn't concern me, it's the new college world. Uh, but you do want to develop a culture. One of the things that solidified and fortified Seton Hall this year is that the players had been there for a while. Uh, they were program guys. Now, yeah, I know McKnight came over, but he had been there for a couple of years. Powell's a four-year guy. Um, you know, Gill had been on campus for three years, sat out a year, but played for two. Mamo Kalashvili. So when you start just bringing guys in, uh, if they don't stick around for more than the one year, then it's a constant search for chemistry. And I think that's a problem. Not that Seton Hall's gone down that road and not that many teams are. Seton Hall has opportunities because of graduation losses, and they're going to take full advantage of the rules. But I, I think the only dark cloud, slight dark crescent cloud I see on a bright horizon is the fact that you can get caught up in just bringing in carpetbaggers year after year, mm. no hook, no connection, 
don't really care, in and out, just want to play the one year and see you goodbye. Uh, but I think, you know, Aiken's a far different story. I mean, if if the Ivies allowed you to play that extra year, I mean, he's going to take, he's here because he has, a, he'll have a red shirt year. Yes. Because he only plays a handful of games and the Ivies don't allow it. So I'm assuming his preference would have been to stay there. I don't know. Maybe he wanted another experience. Maybe he wanted a chance to be on TV all the time. Maybe he wanted a chance to play against better players, more competitive environment, et cetera. So there could have been a lot of reasons for him to want to transfer uh, somewhere else Uh, when he made that decision playing in his backyard certainly helps anyone of importance to him, assuming that they're still in the area, will have an easy opportunity to see him uh, in person. In addition to all the games that are televised, that being said, I, 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 so I don't know what his reason for leaving was other than he couldn't stay. So uh, he might be a different, a different circumstance, but yeah, you start looking around just for the best deal that starts that that could lead you down a slippery slope. I think whether any team goes there, or there will be whether some teams go there or more than some, whether the team I care about most does remains to be seen. Well, let's hope he sort of uh, like what coach Cal has to do every year. Right, Matt, where he's got to right. talk about chemistry, but he's doing it with the numbers two, four, seven and nine players in the nation. He's got a, a different, uh, a different team each and every season, but absolutely. I, I understand what you're talking about. You don't want to see it turn into a, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that just sort of show up in, in the fall and then they're gone by the spring and then a whole, a whole nother regime comes through. But again, I think it comes back to teams. If they, if they don't get their guy in the fall signing period, this gives them a whole new realm of, of possibilities because in the spring, when you think the high school route, there's not that many great high school guys. I think, I think this past year, um, of the top 100, not that that is a is a benchmark, but they all have these rankings. I think of the top 100 guys from the fall. I think there's only a handful left, maybe 10 or 12 guys that have not committed. So, you know, you're looking at that small number. Coaches have to be creative, and they see, hey, this guy averaged 20 points at so and so you, and he's on the move, and I need a guard. Hey, I'm going to go after this guy, you know, and you can fill sure. in that one. So, I think that's that's become a whole new. Um, a whole new world for guys. And at the end of the day, the coach has to keep his job. So he's got to get creative and find, you know, guys that, uh, that can do some things a whole certain way. And this, this whole transfer portal has yeah. become that outlet. But what Matt yeah. has alluded to is, is Aiken is plug and play. So he's got to get right in there. There's no time to del- develop all this chemistry. Yeah. You got a season to do it, but, and how about that foot? What's the story with the foot? Is it okay? Is he going to be a hundred percent? Oh, there's a lot of questions there too. But again, you, you're right, Matt, he's got to come right in and, and what it's a year of eligibility, right? He's only got a year. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's I don't a- think his foot is much of a concern. I mean, it was a broken foot. It's mm-hmm. not like he tore up tendons or right. what have you. So mm-hmm. that shouldn't be an issue, but you know, he's dealt with injuries. And so you just, you know, I, my experience in sports is that someone who suffers injuries tends to suffer injuries. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. the nature of their body. That's mm-hmm. just the way yeah. it goes. Yeah. Or one or one injury turns into another injury and there's all sorts of nagging injuries because the whole body's not in, 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 functioning correctly. You know, I mean, I, I, you see that of course, right. I mean, going from starts with a foot, then it's the knee, then it's this and that. So, uh, but in this case, if it's just a a clean break, right. I mean, you would think that uh, he, he just gets strong and come back. 
and and, uh, and be a big help for Seton Hall, as as we all think he's going to be. No doubt, because when he's yeah. on the floor, oh, yeah. he's no, it's a good get. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's it's a terrific get. Yeah. So let's move on from college basketball and uh, talk about the draft uh, coming up. I guess the draft's going to be in uh, in Roger uh, Goodell's basement, huh? <laughs> that's uh, that's where it's yeah, going exactly, to go down. Right. Uh, he'll be immune from all the booze that he usually gets when he walks out there. Except uh, <laughs> the only thing I'm going to miss is that 20 second fake hug that he gives these guys as if it's a long lost relative that uh, uh, that he hasn't seen in a hundred years. I mean, it's. That is the phoniest thing in the world. But yes, it's going to be, everybody's going to be in their bunker from what I've read. Well, it's become such a production, right? And now, um, now that the the crowds can't get together, it's back to, you know, what it was a while, you know, years ago, which was just, uh, you know, just announcements essentially. And now it's, it's become this big, uh, this big production. Uh, let's talk about the local teams, guys. And we got the Giants and the Jets. The Giants are at four. The Jets are at 11. And just talk about the first round anyway. And by the way, we'll have uh, Pat Leonard next week from the Daily News. Uh, we talked to him annually about the draft. So we'll get uh, we'll get his thoughts, certainly on the Giants and, and the Jets as well. But it seems like it's the year of the offensive linemen, right? There's uh, apparently uh, there, there's four guys out there that are all over the place. Uh, uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. You got this Tristan Wirfs. I've seen him at Iowa. He, he was a man amongst boys. And then uh, Andre Thomas from Georgia. And then this big guy from Louisville, uh, Becton, Mekhi Becton. He's like 370 yep, pounds. Becton. Yeah. So big, a uh, big guy. And uh, it looks like the Giants uh, are are looking offensive linemen. And uh, from a lot of the mock drafts that I'm I'm reading, that the Jets are as well. Are, are you agreement with that? Uh, with the Giants taking an offensive lineman uh, early, John? Well, you know something they they took a quarterback last year early, and I was against that at, at least where they took him, and he really quieted me. Daniel Jones had a very nice season last year. He came on to. Uh, to take the reins from Eli, uh, he had a very good rookie year. I mean, he he can escape pressure. He can get out of the pocket. He can make some things happen. He can get the ball, drive the ball down the field. He's got um, the all-world running back in the backfield that they didn't really get a chance to play together all that much because Saquon was hurt and missed a few games, and then Daniel missed a couple games himself. But if you're gonna if you're going to take a quarterback that high. I would think that you're going to want to protect his backside. You're going to need a left tackle. And the Giants' offensive line for the last few years has been pedestrian at best. I mean, we talk about guys, carpetbaggers coming in and out. I mean, can anyone name their offensive linemen in the last three or four years? I mean, they've been they've been pretty much a disaster. Yeah. So, yes, I could see them going with a big offensive tackle there. I know that. Joe Judge from his Alabama days is tight with Nick Saban, so the speculation is that Jedrick Wills will be the guy. But I think any one of those four, um, I think Mackay Becton is about six foot seven, three hundred and sixty pounds or yeah. so. He ran like mm-hmm. a real sub five. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, his fifty yard dash or his forty yard dash was an amazing time for someone his size. So yeah, I could see them taking an offensive lineman there. Also. You know, it's a good year for them to maybe trade out, but I think with the way things are, uh, being in a bunker, Gettleman by himself, and not having all the people around him, I, I don't think he will have the opportunity to do that. But it would be a great opportunity this year because teams are looking to move up for quarterbacks with Tago Vailoa, 
Justin Herbert. So long story short, yes, I could see them taking an offensive lineman. Now, Matt, back in the day, you didn't see offensive linemen going in the first round. Now you see it all the time. And it seems like this year, at least four will go in the first round. Does that surprise you? Uh, no, uh, I think we've seen as the game has developed that protecting the quarterback is crucial and not that it wasn't, but it was a different game 30 years ago. Now you better have somebody there who can protect against those edge rushers. And so, no, I'm not surprised that teams are um, looking for guys who can do just that. And so, no, I think, I think we've seen that uh, change quite dramatically over the years. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not the sexy pick, right? Yeah, you want to hear about the quarterback. You want to hear about all the skill positions. So when you hear offensive linemen, that back in the day, the fans, I think the fans just know more now. They know more about the game and know that how important it is to keep, especially with the Jets and the Giants, with these young, promising quarterbacks that they want to keep upright. They've got to get these big guys in here. And, and, and John, the Giants offensive line has just been, or the last few seasons have been, I mean, it was better last year, but I mean, they've had some challenges with their, with their offensive line. Yeah. It's, it's been a disaster. I mean, there's no other way that you could, you could say they brought in Nate Solder for tons of money and he's been really a bust. They drafted Will Hernandez and, you know, he was the road grader. They talked about the hog Molly up front that, that Gettleman loves to talk about. And he's been good. Hasn't been a star. They've had a revolving door at center and also at right and uh, right guard and right tackle. So the more bodies that they can bring in, the better. Um, so a, a guy up front, you know, when any one of these guys fits the bill at between anywhere from six, four to six, seven and three, well over 320 pounds. Mm. They all are, yeah. but also keep an eye on, all world linebacker Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I know the Giants haven't drafted a uh, linebacker in the first round. I think since Carl Banks, he's popped up on have, a couple of mock drafts for them. Yeah, know. they 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 really don't have good linebacker play. I mean, can you name a linebacker on the Giants? I guess Blake Martinez. They just picked up in in uh, free agency. He's about the only one that that I can name right now. And so Simmons is a guy who we've we've all seen millions of times because Clemson's on TV every Saturday and they're in all the, the FBS stuff. So, and he's always a guy that's getting eight, 10, 12 tackles in all these big games. So he's a big game player. He might be someone that is hard to pass up at that point. So I would keep an eye on him, um, the offensive lineman, or perhaps, um, you know, someone like Derek Brown from Auburn, who's a, a mountain of a man in the middle is a defensive tackle from Auburn, who is another one we've seen wreck games for many years on uh, SEC Saturdays on CBS. And again, I'm curious to see yeah. how this whole draft will work out. I mean, obviously, it's going to be run as it's normally run in terms mm -hmm. of selections and what have you. But I wonder if there's going to be any energy, right? I mean, it's the building, it's the fans, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, just going crazy and. And now it's just going to be Roger Goodell saying with the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals take Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, and right. you, I mean, and it begs the Cameron question. Bur they'll have a camera in Burrow's house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll interview, interview him. him. Yeah. And yeah. there'll be no booing. There'll be no crowd going crazy. They'll, be none of those lunatics wearing Bengals sweaters or jerseys, 
you know, hanging out. There'll be none of the Bengal fans booing the choice because they wanted somebody else. And right. then 15 minutes later with the second pick, the Washington Redskins take crickets. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it's going to be different. I mean, and what, and how, I'll be curious to see how the time is filled in that 15 minutes. All right. So you can get Joe Burrow. And, all right. Then you got to get Mel Kuyper's going to make sure his hair looks good from his house. And yeah. He's got to, sure. but it's going to be very different. It's going to be a very different production. I'll watch it just from that standpoint. I'm not a big NFL guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the draft doesn't really interest me much uh, beyond, you know, the first round. But that being said, I'll watch it from a production standpoint because it'll be fascinating. What, a hockey you guy know, is I'm not a big NFL guy? How do you right. think they're going to fill all that time, you being a TV guy? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's, it's 15 minutes. I mean, that's a lot of time in between picks. And I mean, we'll have, you know, yeah, there'll the, be Zoom conferences and, you know, they'll have guys hooked up in different parts of the world. Uh, arguing who the next pick might be. And we'll take a look at some video of Joe Burrow and everybody will tell his life story. So, I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out. It'll just be done in a different way. I just don't know if it's as dynamic, right? It's the same. Oh, no way. They're all gathered there in the draft hall. It's become a really fun thing. It used to be like years ago. I, I would just, uh, whatever I, I, you know, just read about it, you know, just, uh, just search it and read about what the picks were. But now, I mean, the last few years I've, I've got, I've tuned in at least to the first round and, uh, and it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Well, and, and, and part of that is year, that they energy. Were in Nashville and yeah. they took over the city. Yeah. So they, and they, they did like, huge. They, I mean, they were the same in Vegas. Yeah. It was like an outdoor amphitheater and it was pouring. Remember the first round was absolutely pouring rain and those people stood there. In the pouring rain. Oh man, it's gladiators. It's, it's evolved. Drafted. It was unbelievable. I covered. Yeah. Uh, I covered it when it was at the the theater at Madison Square Garden. The, the year that um, uh, Eli Manning got uh, drafted, I, I was there covering the uh, the Raiders draft, and uh, and it was uh, it was just a whole different thing. Man. It was just, it's just grown into this. I mean, it wasn't even you could just like people people got tickets and went. You, you, you it was easy to get into. Uh, into the uh, theater. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can remember when I was an, an intern back in college, I did an internship with an ABC TV affiliate in Providence, Rhode Island. And they sent me, they sent me to Foxborough to cover the, uh, the new England Patriots draft picks. And it was, I mean, talk about bare bones. <laughs> there were like 20 people there. They had the, uh, the chafing dishes out, which had like the rubber chicken and whatnot. They were, <laughs> a couple of uh, French fries. It was really no frills, and it was. Um, Would they I take mean, Tony Eason or the quarterback? Yeah, they made their pick, and then you know they flew the guy in a couple hours later. It happened to be here's a name from the past, Hartley Dykes. Do you remember him from Oklahoma State? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, he was the wide receiver that they chose. But I mean, it was nothing. There was hardly anybody there. They were oh, begging wow. people to come and cover it. Uh, that's something. Well, that segues into uh, my alma mater, uh, Rutgers, who uh, they uh, uh, they are leading the charge on um, the saliva test. They had, uh, uh, which is, um, which I guess uh, it, it, you can get, it, you can test for the antibodies. And uh, Rutgers' uh, research uh, team uh, was awarded. Uh, I don't know what was it, Johnny. They were awarded the um, the actual. Uh, yeah, they're researchers. They were given clearance for the first saliva test that will help 
diagnose this COVID-19 um, right. and it will expand testing options and reduce risks for, you know, folks that are working in the healthcare field and mm-hmm. for, um, you know, just the regular Joe and Janie that want to go in and get tested and not have to wait, you know, a whole week's worth of time. Well, so, um, I think one of the beauties of this is that, uh, the test that they're doing now where they have to swab the down all the way, reach down your throat or get all the way into your neck, or I'm sorry, into your nose. They have to, um, that puts the, the healthcare worker at, at greater risk. You know, if you could just do something with your saliva, then, um, not only is it a lot quicker and more accessible, uh, it's a lot safer mm-hmm. for those working in the healthcare field. Well, it's nice to see uh, Rutgers uh, leading the uh, way there. And we'll stick with football because the XFL bankrupt again. Now, obviously, uh, because of the virus uh, and the shutdown, uh, they couldn't survive. I wonder if they were going to be able to survive anyway. I mean, uh, this is uh, Vince, Mc- Vince McMahon's second try at this. And, uh, you know, he's, he wants to bring elements of the WWE into it. I, I, I guess he believes it's uh, it, it, it's a match in some way, uh, but your WWE fans aren't going to bother with football and and football fans, diehard football fans. Like in both both tries, you know they had great ratings the first week, and then the second week it fell off a shelf. So it, it's got to tell you that there people aren't really seeing the product. But again, I mean, I would just make the point that the game is good enough. You don't have to have the bells and whistles all around it. The, the, the game of football is enough. And, and, uh, and uh, again, uh, the reason, obviously, that it, it's bankrupt is, is because of the shutdown. But who, who knows if it would even have uh, 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 worked out this time around as well. And I guess that McMahon's put it ton of money into this so he's he's losing big well that is true he's lost money in both ventures uh that first one which was crazier and much more wwe than this one they toned down a lot of that stuff this time Mm -hmm. um but there there were elements that were different and i think some of the things and i'm gonna be honest here and complete transparency i don't think i saw one second of the xfl but I am, you know, intrigued by, you know, the kickoff rule where the kicker and the returner were the only guys who could move before the returner caught the ball. That's just different. You know, they had three point tries, which were different. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that it's going to be hard, their problem is, and it was the right thing to do because they couldn't afford it any other ways. They had no names playing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think there's that balance that you have to strike between who are these guys and, you know, something new. But I think there's an appetite for football. I think it's just a matter of trying to find out what works best. Um, I think if you're going, you know, if you try to play like the AAF did in minor league stadiums in smaller cities, you don't get the respect you deserve. If you try to play in bigger cities like and stadiums, like playing at MetLife, well, that's a big cost. And, you know, who's going in this area uh, to, you know, a lot of people, are they going to football in this area in the spring? But I think there's an appetite for it. I mean, the sport continues to grow. And it, its revenues continue to soar. So if somebody can just figure out a way. Um, I, I think there is a spring market, but uh, so far we've had a lot of failures. Well, here's the thing. If it's a spring market, all right, 
And the NFL is just awash with money here. Okay, and and can't they take some kind of model from baseball and just do some kind of minor leagues for football? Why is that completely out of the question? I mean, look, you, you know, and I think there was one player, I don't know his name, but I think there was a player that was already signed by Carolina. So there are from the XFL. So there are players that are like, hey, how did we miss this guy? And that's kind of the point of the league is to, you know, and obviously it's going to be quality football, but why does it have to be this huge thing with Vince McMahon and, and, and NBC? Can it be in a smaller stadium and can it be, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to have every 30 teams. So everybody has a minor league team because then you have a huge league, right? But couldn't you do something where each team shares a, a team and, and they have players in, I don't know, that, you know, that they drafted that play in the league. But it would just seem to me, if you're saying there's an appetite, Matt, that that would work out in some way. It's called college football. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the other thing, I would, you're, you're asking the NFL to spend money on something that's already produced for them. I mean, there's no owner who's going to do that. But, but then the point is, is that that football player has to come in ready to play. I mean, that's that's really what 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 it comes down to. When we just talked about these offensive linemen and the four offensive linemen that we just talked about that are supposed to go in the first round of the draft, they're all considered ready to play, plug and play guys, ready to go. But what about that guy who might develop over a couple of years? Uh, yeah, I know there's practice squads and all that, but I just I, I don't know. It, again, if there's an appetite, but you're you're right, it, it is the minor leagues are college football essentially is the case here. But, you know, listen, there's, there's college baseball and they still have a minor league system. I, I don't know how it's, it, it's just in, impossible to ha- to figure out something, especially the NFL with the amount of money they have and the value that they're the value of uh, you buy a, a franchise and it, it doubles in value in a year. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that they don't need all the bells and whistles and things like that. Unfortunately, the man running this and footing much of the bill is a guy who's been wrapped up in bells and whistles and theater and drama yeah. and whatnot with the world wrestling uh, for, for what, 30 or 40 years now. And he, he thinks this is a his, good stage. His father. So, you know, Vince McMahon, that's what he is. He's a showman. He, he wants to put on a show. And um, I, I bet if he could put rings around the end zone, he would have guys <laughs> coming off the top rope to try and stop someone from scoring a touchdown if he could. So, I think it's baked in the cake when Vince McMahon has his name on it. You're going to have some sort of, you know, With- theater and whatnot. But I, I see your point, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like the NBA's product. I mean, you put on an NBA game, and in the middle of the game, while while the play is is on, they're playing music when 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 guys are in the offensive end of the floor. They're they're playing music or they're pumping in whatever stupid noises. I mean, if you have to sell your product by that baloney, then, you know, I don't know what you're trying to do. Are you trying to cover up some of the, some of the missed spots that they have? I mean, I know hockey, Matt, you're, you're at the games and the arenas and, and I know the music is played a lot when the puck stops and when play is stopped. I don't know whether they, they do it during the action, but the NBA, I mean, oftentimes I have to turn it off because all I hear is, is baloney music playing the whole time. Yeah. They don't do that in hockey. No. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts. And it's sort of like the, the whole you got to put on a show. And, and that's what people are looking for. I guess they figure, Steve, if you're going to pay a certain amount for a ticket, then, you know, you're going to get dinner and a movie. You're going to get uh, the game and something else to go along with it. But, 
Wow. I don't know. It, it, uh, it, it, Matt, you think there's an appetite for it? I think there probably is as well. I am not a consumer of the of the spring football. I wouldn't watch it. I love college football, and I and I and I do like the NBA. I sort of soured on that a little bit the last few years. But by the time spring rolls around, I am looking maybe for a baseball game or something other than pigskin for, for my liking. Yeah, well, I'm a purist. You know, I I I enjoy college uh, basketball and college football more so than the pro game. So. I mean, I think that would be the difference, Matt. In other words, like minor league, I wouldn't like as much as baseball. And it's certainly in the hockey, in hockey, you know, it's the NHL is it. Um, whereas minor league hockey is is, is something that um, falls off considerably, I would think, in terms of uh, the product. Uh, but uh, but the the idea of, you know, uh, pro, you know, college football, college basketball, I mean, is uh, to me is the is the pinnacle. And again, and, and that's because the game is good enough to me. Going back to Vince McMahon, who still thinks that that stage of football would work for him and his WWE um, fans. But it really doesn't translate because the people that are going to watch it are football fans. They don't. I, and I believe that they don't need all that. I, I've always been. It's always driven me crazy. The. Um, the uh, in in game interviews and all that. I'm like, get off the coaches, get off the players. They got it. They got a game to play here, man. Get them afterward. And and so things like that kind of always. And then I'm coming from a purist standpoint. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way, Matt, in terms of the purity of the game. Well, I think times have changed, and I think people want different things. I mean, you don't want interviews during the game. Anyone under the age of 30 doesn't want to watch the game. There you go. Yeah. They watch red zone. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. They don't, they don't want interviews either, but they're not watching the whole game. Uh -huh. um, so I, I think the whole world in terms of how we devour media has changed so dramatically. And I think people are, you know, in the business are trying to figure out what the next trick is to sustain interest. Look, I don't know what the financial relationship is between the red zone and the NFL and its teams. But I do know that CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN pay a ton of dough. You talked about their swimming in cash, a ton of dough for the product. And yet more and more people, and maybe not even most, just more, uh, are drifting to just give me the highlights. Um, just, um, I'll watch it one o'clock. I will turn on the red zone at one o'clock and I really don't care that the giants are playing the Redskins. I have no real interest in watching that game start to finish. Um, yeah. now there are different people who do that. Uh, there are people who don't have a loyalty to the giants or the Redskins necessarily, or it's a bad year for the giants. So why would I waste my time? There are people who are in fantasy football leagues and, and who gamble and they want to watch everything that's going on to stay as up to date as they can. But you know, so as that happens, what do you do with your CBS? You're kind of bastardizing your product. You're supporting the NFL. Your highlights are, and game calls are being used on this other channel. And there's got to be some sort of, you know, financial arrangement and, and a, a commitment, a partnership. But now people aren't watching Iron Eagle and, uh, well, it used to be Dan Fouts. It won't be this year. Uh, do the game. You know, yeah. So, it, so I don't know. The world, the world is, is is changing. There's no question. I'm getting a kick. I don't watch a lot of games from the past 
I'm not one of those guys who just sits down and, and says, Oh, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl from, you know, 1987, nor am I going to watch the Stanley Cup final from, you know, 2006. But uh, I will catch them from time to time. And the, just the differences in coverage. Like, if you watch, I'm sure, I am sure that the first time they put the clock and the score in on a regular basis in a game, there was somebody who said, damn it, I've watched TV and watched football and basketball my whole life, and I didn't have to see the scoreboard. It's blocking out the screen, and I can't see everything. <laughs> Watch those games when those sure. things aren't there, and you tell me it's a more enjoyable experience. You have no idea how much time is left. It's a little different when it comes to hockey. It's 2-1. But if you tune in in the middle of it, you go, what's the score? Who oh, yeah. I don't know. How and- much time's left? To the second period? To the first period? Uh-huh. I don't know. So innovations come and go and some are like, some aren't, you know? True. And, you know, like, you know, purists like me, I mean, like who doesn't want to see anything change because I've always loved it since I was a kid and and it's always worked for me. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what is this? A a three point line? What's going on here? (laughs) You know, so, I mean, but then, you know, you end up uh, and it changes the game, obviously. And this is a a rule uh, change obviously but the you know the, these things the uh the game evolves and you know you either roll with it or or you complain about it it's, uh, one or the other uh but uh and that's always uh, going to be the case and and there, there are you know rule changes that actually um make the game better so there's uh uh the, the, it'll always evolve but in, in in terms of the coverage um you know i've always i, I don't know do, uh, john did you do you like when the um, when you're watching a baseball game, a playoff baseball game, and the manager is, is in the dugout right as as the game's going on, being interviewed? No, I, I don't like that. And you know who doesn't like it? The manager. I don't <laughs> think they like to have you know some ESPN guy come down and throw a headset on them. You know they're in the middle of the game. Get lost. So right. No, I, I don't need that. I think that that is TV trying to reinvent the wheel. I don't need any of that. Right. Um, and, and in the big leagues, like major league baseball, um, when they do that, at least they have, you know, some gravitas. They've been around forever with this XFL. I think the reason that they're doing that is, is in some respects to, you know, maybe avert your attention from the product on the field. They want you to, uh, Oh, look over here. Here's the coach. And he's going to tell you what's going on because the guy over there just threw the pass off the tuba player in the stands. And so, um, I think there may be an element of that to it. Um, for the XFL, but no, I, I don't need to hear from, and, and oftentimes I don't love, you know, Hey, let's throw it down into the stands where so-and-so's shooting the hot dog cannon and let's get his impressions on, uh, on, uh, you know, the third inning is rolling in here and we're watching that kind of stuff. You know, I just show me the game is basically what I need. I think the XFL, I think they had one, um, stadium where they had a huge beer bong. And it was in one of the wow. sections and they were just pouring beer in it and people were, and they're shooting this like during the game. It's like, yes, that, that, well, that's what we are. You know, it's a bunch of beer drinking. I, I listen, I love, I enjoy drinking beer, but it, it's, uh, you know, these, these are the kind of things that, that were going on uh, with this league. And, and, uh, think it, about, it, think about that now and think about the world we're living in, you know, people drinking out of a beer can and now we have to stand <laughs> six to eight feet yeah. away from everybody. I mean, it's a yeah, completely it's whole new world that we're living it's in. It's crazy. Amazing. And what are, what are we going to see on the other side? When are we all going to get together and, and go to a, an arena? 
Um, it's all just, uh, it's, it's a mystery right now when, the, when, when that actually is going to happen and, and it, are the crowds going to come back, uh, the way they were, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, a- you know, Steve, I saw a study. It was actually done by Seton Hall university, Matt, you may have seen it. It wasn't a large sample size, but it came out last week where they asked folks, will you attend a game, um, this, this fall you know, before there's a de facto vaccine, um, and the number was pretty pretty drastic. It was 72% said they will not attend wow. a game or they won't feel happy attending a game unless and until there is a vaccine that they know, um, you know, if they get this thing that they can be cured from that. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of falls along the lines of my thinking. I mean, I I sort of have an underlying condition that I have to kind of steer, stay away from it, but I wouldn't feel comfortable going to something like that unless and until um, they have something on the books that is uh, is going to do the trick. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, when that poll was taken, it was at the height of what's going on. I mean, and we're not too far off the height. In fact, we may still be climbing. But I think yeah. as time goes on, you know, we're seeing some arguments already. Sweden hasn't locked down. What's the result there? Mm-hmm. There's talk. Denmark opened up today a little bit. Uh, again, smaller countries, different circumstances. But I think as we see some of these experiments, South Korea had an election, uh, on and on and on. I think as we know more about the disease, I think we learn more about how it reacts, what we need to do, who we need to stay away from each other, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think there'll be some for sure, I think there'll be a return of, I don't know why I call it normalcy, but there will be a, a move forward to kind of have um, uh, have things open up a little bit more. We'll see. Yeah, and I think yeah, and then I think once that happens, again, people will become a little more comfortable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for instance, I don't know about you guys. I do go food shopping. Mm-hmm. I don't have it delivered. I haven't signed up for one of those. Services. I do too. So why would you do that? And you can say, well, I'm six feet away and they limit capacity and they do that. But you're going to tell me you're not right next to somebody. Now we have to wear masks. Mm-hmm. So that is enough. That is added another layer of protection. But until that happened, I, I don't know about you, Steve, but two weeks ago, I was not wearing a mask. And, you know, people can call and shame me, but I wasn't. So why, why wouldn't I go to a bar? Right. You know, so I think we're going to start to have those pressures. We're starting to see them already. And I don't know. It's just a very curious time. And so I think ultimately we'll figure out a way to get back and people can go to see some games. And I think people will go and some won't. There's no question. Yeah, but I think we we all agree. I mean, even if the crowds aren't going to come out, let's get the the games going as soon as we can because we miss sports so much. Um, I know I do. I know, you know. Um, I, I don't know if you guys in, enjoy a nice little break from it, it, it to a certain extent, but, um, uh, but, uh, it, you know, it, for me, um, you know, I, I certainly miss baseball and, you know, I, and I got that, that gnawing thing going like, what's going to happen with the football season, right guys? Cause I mean, I'm, you know, I love football, especially college football, my goodness. And, and, you know, and I, you know, listen also, Hey, I have season tickets. I have season tickets to Rutgers to, to football and I got basketball as well much to the chagrin of my wife, but I, I did because, you know, so, so, you know, and I'll tell you what, the rack is tight, man. It is tight, you know? So I, I got, 
better seats. I'm down lower, so I'm not up in the. But those bleachers, man, you're on top of each other in those bleachers at the rack. So, you know, you, 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 it, it makes you think. It makes you think in those tight quarters and all that. But I, I think, as you alluded to, Matt, as things ease up, as we get to know more about this virus, you know, the possibilities of, of a vaccine, all that, the stuff that Rutgers is doing, um, the Rutgers research is doing with the saliva tests, as you had mentioned, John, all these things, I think once they start moving forward, people will will, will get a, a better sense of what's going on. And then we'll see people coming back uh, to the to the stadiums and arenas, of course. Let's hope so. Uh, anyway, Absolutely. hey, guys, we've had ourselves a nice long show here. So uh, we will have Pat Leonard next week from the Daily News, good friend of ours, who, a good friend of the shows who comes on with us. Uh, he did the draft with us last year. He's going to do the draft again. We're going to talk about the draft. And that's going to be uh, Wednesday, Matt. Or where were we yeah, on Wednesday? Wednesday, uh, uh, Pat Leonard's going to join us. We're going to talk about the draft. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, of course, this was a lot of fun, too. It's our podcast at moresportsnow.com. We will have the Hudson Huddle coming up, which is our Jets Giants uh, podcast. We're going to get that going uh, when we um, when we uh, begin, uh, uh, certainly uh, deep in the summer. And we'll see. And of course, hope that uh, football will uh, be on uh, schedule. It's, uh, it's, uh, 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 it's something that's on a lot of people's minds, obviously. But anyway, moresportsnow.com. Check out our site. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey, and we'll catch you next week, and we'll talk a football draft with Pat Leonard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.